Hey, on my Travel Wins podcast, I'm lucky to have Amanda Johansson. All right, today, Amanda? I'm doing well. How are you? Perfect. I'm doing great, actually. It's a good day. I'm very, very excited to talk to Amanda. Amanda's probably, I mean, just a, a complete high-level, top-level lacrosse player, which is near and dear to my heart after a storied career at USC. And I think that the, the coolest thing about your, your, obviously, all the points and all the goals and the All-American Awards at USC, to, you'll always be the first person, first female to ever have scored a goal for that program. That, that, never, that, was a day. that never goes away. And then you continued on and, and played professionally the last couple of years in, in Baltimore, or for the Baltimore Brave at least, and also coaching, which is an, another big step, uh, coaching for Hofstra the last, what, last two years? Yeah, the last two. Yeah. So so how, how's the lacrosse journey treating you? I mean, I feel very, very lucky for the journey that I've been able to go on through the sport, um, especially because... I feel like the way that I went through it and my graduation date and just kind of like the current years I've been playing, there's been so um, much more opportunity than there's ever been in the past for the sport. Yeah. So um, I'm aware of all the work that went into it and um, what all the players have done, you know, before my time to make this happen. But, um, you know, my journey couldn't be possible without them. And I've been, I mean, I, I never expected to be able to continue to, be playing at this time um, and at the levels that you know I have available to me so um, it's been an awesome journey you know and I think your, your USC coach had such a big big thing to do with that because you know I'm based in, in California and mm-hmm. lacrosse especially in women's lacrosse was not a big sport at all and so to have a D1 well-known program set up a you know an actual an actual winning program was pretty phenomenal and i know it made a lot of headlines here and you being part of that team is you know is i think a real big reason of the growth yeah i mean i'm sure i when we got to campus my freshman year which was the first year of the program um you can just tell like whether you're going around campus or we were walking anywhere else around the area with lacrosse like, people were very curious what we were even holding and I found over time, um, as we started to make more of a name for ourselves, things definitely began to change. So, yeah, I mean, you're correct. It, it was a huge part with, you know, Lindsay Monday coming over, starting this program and just, you know, bolting us to success that, you know, we had in a short amount of time. And, yeah, that, that was huge. And I definitely have, you know, seen the change. And, and now even being on the East Coast, you know, more of the hotbed for the sport, we still are, you know, watching – the growth that's happening over in California and in Colorado, just really the whole West coast and, and even places now like Texas and the South and places that weren't hotbed, they're just growing drastically. Well, even like, you know, cause I, I've seen it in Florida, you know, wherever you got the warm mm-hmm. weather, we, we played a team. My daughter's played a team uh, from Houston and they were lights out. I mean, just phenomenal. So yeah, the weather, the weather is huge. I mean, if you, you can train all year round and you can play outside all year round, uh, compared to, you know, where the Hawkins really have been in the past on the East Coast, like, you're really restricted over the wintertime. So, so I can definitely see that that uh, being a huge factor. Well, the one thing I wanted to ask you, because doing some research on you, I found out you were mm-hmm. a, a complete self-starter. Your, your coaches didn't have to tell you to, to run the extra lap or do the extra sprints. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the, the, the part I read was that they actually had to tell you to ease up. <laughs> 
So as a coach now, how hard is it coaching somebody or, you know, cause I remember some girls are self-motivated and some aren't. So how hard mm-hmm. is it for someone like you to appreciate someone that's not a self-starter and needs a little push? Uh, I mean, everybody is different. I feel like in their, in their ways, of, you know, whether it's self-motivation, whether they need a little bit more of a push. Um, at the end of the day, I, I appreciate any player that um, plays for the love of the game and, and, and the, everyone has their own reasons why they play. I, it, it is difficult, you know, when you, you see a player that has so much talent and, and you know they love the game, but they're just not willing to take that extra step and push themselves. Yeah. But I do whatever I can um, to try to pull that out of them. I think as coaches, it's our job to promote player growth. And I think a lot of times it just comes down to allowing the player to, to find on their own that they just have the next level to them with a little bit more um, hard work. And and I can I think I can relate back to like, you know, when I was younger, high school, middle school, I just played a ton of sports all the time, all different sports. I was never going out and working out. I wasn't lifting. I wasn't running. I wasn't doing anything extra just because I was doing so much. consumed all the time by playing actual sports. So when I did get to college, I think at first it was a little shock because it was like, we have to run, train, do all of this, you know, for that one sport. And I don't think I knew about that next level um, and about pushing yourself. Yeah. Um, and really just like where you can go until I did make that switch. So I think it's everybody, it takes a little bit of time, um, but I think it's possible to pull out of everyone. So you know, I can't be disappointed when I see that right away because I, I give people time to, to change and make that adjustment. Yeah, to, especially, you know, I, I would think as a an incoming freshman coming out of high school versus a senior who's 22, 20, you know, 21, 22, 23, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a big growth spurt just emotionally, mentally. The whole yeah, thing. 100%. And it also depends, like, the program that they're coming from. Like, some of these players are coming from high schools where they had you know, instead of gym class, they were doing lifting and training for yeah. their sport, um, or they had preparation in their club, or then you have the other players that, you know, have always kind of just been playing a bunch of different sports. They haven't solely focused on one. They've never experienced the lifting and all of that stuff. So freshman year is a, a huge learning curve for everyone. Yeah. Um, but everyone will get on track eventually. What part of coaching excites you the most? Cause I know you, you worked with uh, on team travel at mm-hmm. Mount St. Mary's and you've done, different things your defensive yeah. coordinator and draw control what what are you looking towards the recruiting part of it you know is, is being a head coach somewhere the, the long-range plan i i've had a great experience coaching so far like you hit on before i've uh i've definitely experienced a lot of different aspects of coaching and different size programs and type of programs and um when i was at mount st mary's i was a graduate assistant and i kind of just um, really, that was the first time I, I took part in the coaching aspect of the sport. Yeah. I think it was a, a unique transition because I wasn't ready to, to uh, be done playing. Like I, I wanted to be on the field with them. Sure. Um, so that was a little hard, but I definitely learned more of like the operational work. And, um, you know, I think I found my voice a little bit. I've always been somebody that was quiet. So I had to, I had to make that change as a coach. Um, yeah, yeah. And then at USC, um, I got to work with both sides of the field and then the draw and then at Hofstra I'm actually the defensive coordinator and the draw coach so it's a little bit of everything um I really do like working with defense a lot I I find that defenders just have that work ethic of like I don't care about my stat line I just want to 
stop my player, go hard. Um, it's not really for glory at all. And I just find coaching them is makes my job easy. Um, but I mean, on, on the other side of things, I found it really interested, even at Hofstra, learning about you know budgets and counting scholarships and yeah. other pieces. Because on um, you know at the end of the day, I also have a big interest in the business side of things. Um, you know, as a business undergrad at USC, so um, I don't know 100% if you know I do want to be a head coach in the future. However, you know, right now I I'm really enjoying you know where I'm at and continuing to move up. You know as a coach and, and, and grow, um, you know, my abilities as a coach. I think that's interesting because you, know, you said some really key things about how, how you're a defense coordinator. I mean, you played many and you mm-hmm. scored a ton of goals and a lot of assists and now you're a defensive coordinator, but do you, yeah. do, I think that's kind of cool because like both my daughters played attack. Mm-hmm. And then when I started coaching the high school around here, I, I, I actually coached the, the low D the low post and goalies because I taught them exactly what I, what I taught my daughters how to score is what I taught my goalies how to defend. Yep, exactly. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, it's the, you know, I have the same reasoning kind of for that. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, I definitely, I would say my first two, three years at USC as a player, I had more of an attacking mindset, um, you know, coming from high school, just like being somebody that like, score, score, was, score, you know, scoring all the goals and, and, and doing a lot of things offensively, like as a media, I, I initially had that um, offensive mindset and then slowly towards the end of my career in college, um, I started getting a little more defensive minded. Um, I felt like a media, I can almost impact more for like 50, 50 situations. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, our crew that we had on defense, but as a coach, I feel like I, I can be more strategic coaching the defense um, knowing that I had a pretty, good IQ offensively like I, I I as a player I used to read the defense to make my decisions yeah and I feel like as a coach it's kind of like you just said it you just do the reverse this is what the attack is most likely thinking this is what we're going to do to prevent that I, you know, I totally agree that was that's mm-hmm. I, I think that's a unique maybe that's a little different because a lot of p- p- players that play attack only coach attackers yep. and, and if you're a defender you coach defending whereas I, you know, if I'm a goalie coach, I want, I want to know what, if I'm a goalie, I want to know what that attacker's thinking or seeing. So I, you know, you want to see the reverse. So yeah. anyways, getting a little specific. What, what did you, when, when you were at Mount St. Mary's, I saw that you were involved with the team travel. How, how, mm-hmm. how much extra work was that then that you didn't think of all the different things you have to think about as, as a coach now? So that was definitely interesting to start. Um, you know, I was coming from USC where we had a director of operations and basically um, that role took care of, you know, all the travel, hotels, yeah. um, how we're going to get, you know, here to there, things like that that I never really even thought of. It was just super seamless. Um, and then I, when I got to Mount St. Mary's, I'm a very, very organized person. I I almost like, you know, I'm too organized at times. And, <laughs> Go ahead and say it. And, <laughs> yeah, but... uh so I felt like, you know, that travel role would be good for me. Um, I didn't realize how much goes into that um, and almost the pressure of uh, of taking care of travel. I mean, I remember I just would, I would almost be fearful for every trip that like, oh my gosh, I forgot to, you know, get the right amount of hotel rooms or we're actually like the bus 
I, you know, yeah. the things that I, I, I thought that I hadn't had confirmed, which everything ended up always turning out fine. But I mean, traveling tough with a big group. You're, you feel like you're responsible for a lot of people. You want everything to go well. I had this big binder that I'd take on every trip. And yeah, it, it's just, you have to be super organized and ready. I think that my experiences at USC was probably traveling more than, you know, almost any program yeah. in the whole country just because of our location and even having to fly to conference games, let alone flying across the country for non-conference games. Um, I definitely travel I mean, with something I was comfortable with, but uh, it, it was definitely a switch being the one organizing it versus just kind of going along. For the ride. Well, I was, I was curious, like as a player, especially at USA, I mean, as a player, as an mm-hmm. adult professional, it might be different, but as a player at at a high level college, what did you focus on as far as the travel? Like if you're going to Oregon or if you're going, you know, to, to Florida or back East to Stony Brook or wherever, how did you prepare for that travel versus now as a coach, you're, you know, you're now dealing with 20 of you having all the different issues that had come up. I forgot my phones. I forgot my headphones. I forgot my book. I forgot this. I forgot my yeah. computer. You know, how, how much, yep. how difficult was that for you? Um, it was tough. I, I feel like we would do a good job, though. Um, created travel lists. We basically sent everyone 48 hours before the trip, like, this is a list of everything you may possibly <laughs> yeah. need. Um, you know, from socks to, you know, extra pair of shirts and just really anything you can need, we put on the list. Um, really for, like, a no excuses covering all aspects. Um, at Hofstra, though, I also am... I do a lot of, you know, travel items as well. And we've designated a player to be in charge um, of travel so that they're responsible for making sure that everyone has everything packed, everything comes on the trip. Um, so that's been a little different. I think that that's a, a very, um, you know, I think that's an easy way to do it, which has been great. Um, it kind of puts the responsibility on them to remember. And then if you forget something, it's kind of like, you really do anything about it. Yeah, I've never experienced whether a coach or a player, I've never experienced anyone forgetting like their jersey or cleats. I, I've definitely heard scary stories like that. Um, cause oh, you're like, all right, I'm across <laughs> the country. I don't have my shoes. We have to go to find it at a store. Um, but one thing we did forget, I remember at USC as a player was, uh, the ball bag. And, um, that was actually the time where like Amazon prime had like just come out my senior year. And Sony was super smart. And they were like, <laughs> we're going to overnight a, lacrosse ball bag filled with balls and we'll be at the hotel the next morning and we're all like okay great and then of course it came like five minutes after we already departed for practice of course and didn't go too well that's awesome though i remember i the, the issue we always had was we'd go to tournaments and you'd, you'd bring your away jersey and your home jersey and it was inevitable that one player would always forget one of the jerseys yeah like i didn't know we would have to bring both it's like oh Mean, I definitely used to do that when I was younger, going to club tournaments. I'd yeah. be, we'd be like halfway driving to Jersey, and I'd be like, oh, God, I, I don't have my cleats. Yep. I'm like, no, shoot. <laughs> shoot, shucks. And that's, I think that would be interesting as, you know, because you're still playing. I mean, yeah. by, by the way, you're, you're an all-star on, on the Baltimore team. You made the all-star. I mean, you're still playing at an incredibly high level, but now you're, you're also coaching freshmen that have never left home before. So it's got to be yep. – Kind of, in only because you said you're 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 not anal retentive, but very organized. Mm-hmm. So, 
it'd be interesting to, to see how you how you perform this. I mean, Hofstra was off to a great start. Yeah. How, how frustrating for the quarantine part of it, you know, getting, especially as a senior, can, I mean, you must have felt really terrible for the seniors. Yeah, I mean, it, this season was tough. We definitely had a lot of high expectations for this team. Um, although our last two competitions that we were able to get in before this, you know, it definitely wasn't our best performance. We still had just like so many games and so many more opportunities left in the season that um, it's hard just kind of ended it like in question of, you know, how far could we have gone and, you know, what we could have like done. Um, I think everyone's been really great about understanding um, at the end of the day, what's super important is that everyone's healthy, their families are healthy and we just, you know, safety matters more. Um, I think it was huge that the NCAA announced um, that the seniors would be able to get another year, uh, that everyone would be able to get another year. But I think for the seniors specifically, it was a little bit of a relief. Oh, I didn't know that. Ultimate, so, yeah, so, so the seniors are going to be able to come back? Yeah, so basically um, the, most of the role is still in the works. However, what's secured is that the, this past year, um, anybody that was a member of the team gets an extra year. So there's a, a few issues, though, because at like schools like Ivy League, you cannot complete five years of your sport. So those who want to take that extra year have to transfer. Um, the rule uh, also is you don't have to take that year at your school. So there are a lot of players that, you know, who would have just graduated this year from their school are now transferring and, and going to grad school for one year. It's been a very unique and interesting situation just kind of seeing how everything unfolded. At Hofstra, we are super lucky. Three, you know, we had three of our captains um, who were seniors. They're all returning for us. They're all getting an extra year. We had three other seniors who, you know, already had jobs lined up that yeah. thought, you know, they're going to go and take those jobs, which is totally understandable. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, this is the world right now. Um, however, like I know, you know, everyone's going to get through it. And, and the next time that we get to actually be with, uh, the team, um, is going to be special just because I feel like there's been so many unknowns. Yeah. Um, that'll be nice for everything to get back to normal. Well, I think it's you know, just for my listeners, uh, when she says that the last two, you know, yeah, I think you were four and three and your three losses were to mm-hmm. top 20 teams. So it's, it wasn't exactly an embarrassment loss. You beat Hopkins in overtime, and I mean, yeah, no, it wasn't at all. But I just feel like we had super high standards. Like, yeah. we, our first game was against USC, um, who finished, I believe, number seven or number six, you know, in the polls, and and it was a one goal game, and we were up towards the end. So um, we felt like that was one that we definitely could have, you know, that could have been a big win for us. And then uh, BC and Maryland. Um, we lost to them. However, granted, they are yeah. phenomenal teams. Well, I just feel like we didn't play as well as we, we know we can. They were both away games. I mean, I think you would have gone solid <laughs> going into Stony Brook and Notre Dame and then and Towson would have been yeah. your, your, another hard, your next hard ones. Yeah, I mean, we were we were very excited for the season that we had, for the uh, schedule that we you know had this year. It, it was a big schedule. I mean, we had a lot of top-ranked opponents conference and non-conference but we had a really really tough non-conference schedule which is something that I love you know as a competitor and 
um, you always want to be able to play the top teams. And we actually had that opportunity this year. Um, I, we are not sure how the schedule is going to work out next year, but we were excited this year for it. Well, you know, the schedule, scheduling, I think that's, that's the big unknown for so many different industries through the quarantine is, you know, you got your sports and I'll give you an example. I just talked to Justin Bieber's tour director oh, wow. uh, for the show. And, and so, um, the Bieber tour was supposed to go from April 1st to the end of September. Obviously that all got canceled, but he yeah. said, uh, the tour director said the most important person in the music industry right now is the commissioner of the NBA. And I was like, what? Because because they started, it started with their decision, correct? No, because when it comes back, the, the basketball teams get the first, they get first choice at all the arenas throughout the country. Sure. So wherever the basketball, you know, if the commissioner says the Boston Celtics are playing home this, this game, and the Lakers are playing home this game, then Staples is taken. And so all the, all the touring artists are waiting to get that schedule from the, from the basketball commissioner so they can then schedule their tours. So they, no one can schedule anything until the basketball teams figure out what they're going to do with their, their season. And I just like, no, I, I, mean, I never would have thought is, that. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about just really, you know, any situation that, that, you know, any event that was going to be playing, it's all based around, you know, having those dates and the schedule is supposed to be the weekend. It was supposed to be of, like, I think about, you know, club lacrosse um, over yeah. the summer, you know, major tournaments, you know, every weekend and, and whether coaches are recruiting and, and players are going to play. It's just like, not, if things haven't already been canceled, um, the ones that aren't canceled, it's even hard to find a date to postpone. I just, so many unknowns. All the fields. Well, that's comes a- down to field space. Yeah, that was the question I was going to ask you next is because mm-hmm. you know, you're you're a lot of the coaches and I don't know if assistants go, but I would think so. But you go to you go to all the high school and club tournaments through the summer mm-hmm. because I had a lot of girls from here going back to Maryland, Virginia and, and New York for, for the, the summer tournaments. Mm-hmm. And the coaches go and recruit off that. But if you're not allowed to gather, I, I mean, how's, I mean, that's going to be recruiting is yeah. going to be interesting. I mean. I'm interested to see how it all pans out. Um, I know that, you know, right now we're looking at there being absolutely no tournaments until at least, you know, after June. Yeah. Um, I, it's also even difficult because even if you were to put on tournaments in August, technically coaches can't recruit in August. So we would have to wait to see if the NCAA would push our rules back. Exactly. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of moving, moving parts to, you know, every decision. So, I mean, I definitely feel for the players e- eager to get out there um, on the field, you know, and the club directors and, and really everything, because it's, it's really a standstill until it, we have basically an answer about anything. Well, even, uh, even for you guys, I mean, because now you you've got three quality seniors coming back. So now you don't need three new players coming in. You know what I mean? It, it just affects everything. I don't know. Yeah. That's um, it definitely does. The only thing is that our, so our 2020 class who will be our incoming freshmen, um, they have already like that class has already been established for quite a while. And then yeah. we already have our 2021 classes below them established as well. So as these players come in, it, it's just, everything has been completely, you know, shaken up anyway, because players can take that extra year. The team 
the, the amount of the roster size uh, is now completely thrown off. Yeah. People aren't really sure what's going to happen with scholarships. It's just, it, it is just such a unique and crazy situation that it's just affecting not only a lot of stuff in sports, but just every, you know, aspect of the world. Yeah. Cause I mean, you have, you have literally have freshmen, sophomore uh, girls in high school that are starting to look at colleges and colleges are looking at them, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and even like no ACP, yeah, do, really, do you make kind of unknown? Yeah. Do you, but do you, yeah. as a, as a, I was just thinking, like if you're a, a sophomore in high school, you know, you make the decision based upon, you know, the, the, the incoming and, you know, people that are going to be there and, and, and the co- mm-hmm. it's just going to be totally turned around. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm very interested to see, you know, with timeline, um, how that is adjusted and, and how it affects, um, everyone. How do you think it's going to affect the, the women's professional lacrosse league, the WPL? Um, so unfortunately, but totally understandable, um, our season was canceled already yeah. for this summer. Um, that has been, that is difficult because although, like I mentioned earlier, we have so many more opportunities than we've ever had before. Um, and I absolutely love the WPL. I have a blast playing, um, definitely the highlight, you know, of my summer. So it's unfortunate that, you know, we basically miss out on a full year to be able to compete. Um, however, they, they said that they're going to try to um, put something together in the fall, you know, pending um, how everything is going on in the world. But, um, you know, so whatever happens in the fall, um, I'd love to be a part of. And then I guess at the end of the day, it just comes down to all the players who are in the league to just – train and be ready you know as if our next opportunity comes tomorrow even though we really don't know when our next opportunity will be to play um i know the league probably has to also make a lot more decisions based on you know the new players pool and the drafting and everything because everyone that had been drafted for this summer there will now have to be another draft for those who will be out of college as well so i'm interested to see how that shakes up too yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think about that because, you know, I'm sure, you know, some some of the better players this, that were going to be seniors or are seniors mm-hmm. this year are going to stay around, so they're not going to be able to go into your draft. Yeah, of course. Oh. And and because, yeah, I, I, I had heard that, you know, the XFL, the NFL team or league, football league, just filed bankruptcy, you know, because this happened to hit yeah. right in the middle of their season and they didn't have the money and wherewithal to, to be around anymore. I know. I mean, I heard that news, and that was that was upsetting. I felt like I, I didn't know too much about that league, but what I had heard it is it, it was fun, and people were were loving it. So, um, well, it's just like you know yeah, the WPL. It's like the the, yeah. the lacrosse leagues. I mean, there's they're they're not big money sports yet. No, you know, and it's not like you guys are making millions of dollars as players. I mean, it's going to be a constant uphill battle for any woman's professional league to, you know, stay afloat. And I think specifically for, you know, a newer professional lacrosse league, um, it's going to take a lot of, you know, work from the players, um, from the people of the league and, and from sponsors and from donors, you know, to keep it afloat. Um, I, I think our fan base is actually pretty special. Yeah, we it's have, strong. have a huge following and, um, that is awesome to see. And I, I think it's, um, yeah, it's just going to take a lot of people um, to keep the league afloat. And, and there, thankfully, we, we do have 
there's plenty of people out there who are willing to do what it takes and and we're helping out in any way that they can um to make this happen and and for a comeback in uh 2021 that's awesome hopefully for the best lacrosse ever yet sure you know, my last question, I really appreciate the time today, is mm-hmm. is as when you traveled as a player, what, what did you, were you listening to music? Were you listening to, you know, were you watching, catching up on movies? Were you just trying to get sleep? Were you doing your schoolwork versus now as a coach, what do you do to mm-hmm. fill that time? Um, it's actually an interesting question because when I was a player going into my game, I... I definitely, you know, I was a music person. Um, I like to always just kind of stay very calm, whether it was during travel, whether it's before a game. I was that person with music that was like, you know, a John Mayer when everyone else was listening to like <laughs> hardcore rap. Um, yeah. I kind of was, I was always very aware of like my performance levels. Um, and so with travel, I just try to, you know, stay calm. Um, and whether that would help me uh, whether like watching even some film on my way to a game, um, doing anything I can, I just wanted to be fully prepared for performance. Um, and then as a coach, I, so I'm actually getting my second master's degree half year as well in sports science. Nice. And I've had a lot of work and I've been doing a lot of studying. So when I was a player, it was, it was a lot of uh, plane travel. Now as a coach in the half it's a lot of bus travel. And I found that I can get my schoolwork done on the bus where I, I, for some reason, which I think is very different than other people's, when I'm on a plane, I can't get any schoolwork done. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I, w- I always think about taking you know, my, my computer with me, and I'm like, uh, I just, I, I don't, I, tend, I don't know. I don't, I'm not able to focus the way I need to on the, on the planes. That's just me. Hmm. How much do you think yeah. technology has just changed how coaching is uh how has technology changed the coach's job? Meaning it's so much easier, I think now for, for you to, to stay in touch with players and just, and you know, you can watch their YouTube videos and all that type of thing versus not having them. I mean, technology has been huge. Um, not only in like communication, which, you know, is vital nowadays. Like we are to stay in touch with our team. We're doing weekly zoom meetings. Yeah. Um, seeing everyone's faces, you know, staying in contact, making sure that everyone's doing well, right? Um, but also, you know, for the sport in general, like, there, there's some pretty, you know, high-tech uh, devices out there that, that have been, you know, game changers um, on the field, whether it's systems with cameras surrounding the field, you get an iPad, so after the game you can quickly um, – have your film cut you can you can show the players film from all different views all different angles zooming in zooming out um there's you know there's a lot of uh really cool things you know on the market nowadays with that there's also um heart rate monitors that a lot of uh teams are using for their athletes that mid game and mid practice it, it tracks you know the heart rates it, it tracks the toll that is what they're doing is taking on their body um so technology um, it's a very, very massive part of, of the sport more than I think, um, I really saw it until I, I was just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, 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 it literally just came up to me too. Cause I was thinking, you know, my daughter started playing lacrosse like 12 years ago. It was their, you know, their first year. 
and it was like you just kind of showed up and and even at the end when i was coaching at the end you know, a couple of years, you, you start looking at uh they have the um the clock sh- uh, gauges for for your shot mm-hmm. your shot clock i'm trying to oh, shot clock. you know um but it would measure the uh, miles per hour so you could oh, okay. add little things you put in the corners of the of the goals mm-hmm. and i'm like and then just all the different stuff like it's interesting because lacrosse has been around for so long you know it's hundreds of years old with wood sticks to, to now carbon fiber this and yeah hey, uh, I mean, in college the, the amount of products do you, are you guys starting to, in colleges are they starting to use the helmets at least in practice to prevent the concussions um i haven't coached or played with anybody that has chosen to use it i did play against players that wear helmets um i really think it's at the college level at least it's um those who have previously had you know uh concussions or any head injuries um they're choosing to wear it you know for their own safety but i it hasn't been like a universal um trend yet um I know that there, I mean, I don't know much information or really the data yeah. at all, but I know that a lot of people are saying that they feel wearing helmets might make the game more dangerous. Um, it might make people feel like they could be a little more aggressive than they should be, or even somebody who's dodging with a helmet versus somebody who doesn't have a helmet, their helmet to head contact yeah. uh, could be worse. There's just, you know, so many parts to everything with that. I know that the state of Florida for their high schoolers and I think all youth lacrosse um, it was mandated so I'm interested to see if, if those players would continue to wear it at the college level but you definitely will see it once in a while um, on the field with one or two players but it, it's not that it's not that common did you I'm trying to think did, did you played at USC before the shot clock right and then Yes. Um, I played before the shot clock, but they introduced the rule of um, quick start. So it used to be like everything was on the whistle. And then I was playing when it was quick start. And then now the game has transformed into a 90-second shot clock with free movement all the time, um, constant running up and down. And then in the WPL league that I'm in, this is like it has been the most exciting game by far because, you know, I love to run as midi and, it's actually a 60-second shot clock, yeah. constant movement, 66 on both sides or 77. So there's just so much space um, to run and move. The game's quick. It's exciting. I think it's it has the shot clock in general has made um, has just been a huge stride. I think for the sport because uh, people outsiders who had never really watched the sport they used to say oh, it was slow and it was boring. Now it's one of the you know fastest sports on two feet. So I don't I think that that. Uh, has definitely changed well even as a coach i mean you know stalling was a real thing and when you're down as a coach you hate stalling and when you're up you like stalling you know what i mean so Mm -hmm, exactly but yeah i i I always hated stalling even if you're up it just it's not it's not it wasn't the game it's like i agree that's it wasn't uh it wasn't it wasn't fun to do in the game but it also uh it wasn't a very it wasn't good for the uh, the people watching the sport it wasn't good for the fans either. Yeah, well, and, and even like the player. I mean, and you were. I never played, uh, obviously, women's lacrosse. But um, you know, talking to my daughters who both played attack, they didn't like being installed either. They wanted to score and, and run plays, and you know, and play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. 
And coaches are yelling, stall, yeah. stall, yellow, yellow. <laughs> it's like, ugh. I know. I remember when I was younger, every time we would go into like a stall at the end of the game, you have the parents on the sideline, like, go to the goal. Like, who yeah. cares? Forget yellow. Yeah. <laughs> but we're listening to coach. Exactly. Uh, and as a coach, I'd look around and go, really? <laughs> we're trying to win a game here, my friend. <laughs> so it would, I appreciate the time. Uh, what's the best way for, for people to kind of follow you and see what you got going on? As far, whether it's a website or social um, media or. I have, yeah, my Instagram account. Um, I'm a pretty active on it. I, I definitely will need to be more active. Um, but it's at Amanda Johansson seven. Um, I do have a Twitter. I really only retweet, but uh, <laughs> my Instagram, my, my Instagram is probably the best handle. Okay. Um, and and also it, the other link I'll put in there is for the um for Hofstra. So, oh yeah. So if any other players want to, uh, mm-hmm. you have a recruit form, I'm sure on on, on the Hofstra page. Right? Um, I have an office phone. I use my personal cell phone. Um. No, but I mean, home, it's, it's a, I, a player that might be interested in yeah. visiting Hofstra, they just go to the to the yeah, Hofstra page. My Hofstra and, email, yeah, is yeah. on the Hofstra page. Um, it's just amanda.johansson at hofstra.edu. Perfect. I'll make sure to add those in. And when, when all the uh, West Coast players uh, <laughs> start hitting you up, emailing you, that'd be awesome. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Are you starting to see really good players uh, from, from California? looking at, at um, back east teams or is it still yeah i mean i know i know for a fact california teams are not quite at the level of a maryland or new york team mm-hmm. um but you got some really good athletes that are coming up at least yeah i mean i there definitely are a ton of great athletes in california um i i especially noticed i followed a, a team pretty closely this past year who had some great california athletes um a lot of my buddies from college they're, they're coaching club teams yeah. Um, they're out California too. So I always make sure, you know, I go over and, and say hi and, and watch the teams. Um, in the college game, there's plenty of great uh, girls playing awesome and they're from California. And, um, there's still a lot of players that who are top players on the West Coast that are, um, join, that still join East Coast, uh, club lacrosse teams over summer. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's always great. But I, I think, that the club programs in general on the West coast are, are growing so that that probably won't be much of a thing anymore in the future. Yeah. A few more years. Mm-hmm. So, well, again, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. This was really fun. Um, I'm going to end with that, Amanda, but is it possible? Uh, can you email or te- text me um, a picture I can use for our pro for the episode? I don't know. If- sure. Okay. Yep, I can definitely do that. Uh, with, with lacrosse players, that's um, could be a tough thing. Um, should I? It, it's it's hard to get good good shots. I used to take pictures of, of yeah. my daughter's teams. No, it is. I have a lot of really terrible pictures. <laughs> my daughter's like, not that picture. I'm like, oh come on. Yeah, at USC actually, um, they made like the wallpaper on the locker room like a couple of girls from my graduating class, mm-hmm. and they chose these pictures. I think before they knew what like. The sport Athletic was. lacrosse players were supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, they're just three of the worst pictures you can ever imagine on the wall. And I am just still so embarrassed to this day that it is, it is still on the wall. Um, 
but yes, I will definitely send over. Um, I'll send you a few that okay. uh, I don't hate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I did that. I, gosh, my, my daughter's uh, senior year, my oldest daughter, uh, the one that went to play at Towson was, um, mm -hmm. I did the, the, the photo slideshow at the end of the year for the banquet. Mm -hmm. And it was the same. All the girls were like, oh my God, not that picture. Look at my legs. Look at my arm. <laughs> like, oh, look at yeah, my. That picture look, makes me look like I got a double chin. And, you know, <laughs> well, you were getting hit in the head with a stick at the time. So, I mean, I had some teammates that looked perfect on the picture. I'm like, were you trying to look good while you were playing this whole game? Like, were you just like smiling and you're making your hair perfect? Meanwhile, mine is like, it's just, oh, it's rough. But, you know, I was going hard. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, Amanda. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye. -bye.